Transform your investment strategy with the MD Platinum Global Private Equity 2023 Trust. This unique offering exclusive to physician families uses non-traditional strategies that allow you to diversify your portfolio and potentially help grow your wealth over the long term. With access to institutional level private equity opportunities, this solution could be what you need to help you meet your financial goals. Learn more about this limited time opportunity at mb.ca slash private equity. Hello, listeners. Thanks again for joining us. My name is Alex Chung, Content Manager with MD Financial Management. For today's episode of the MD Market Watch podcast, I had the chance to speak with Craig Maddock, Vice President and Senior Portfolio Manager, and Ian Taylor, Assistant VP and Portfolio Manager at the Multi-Asset Management Team here at MD. We kicked off the podcast by looking back at the first three months of the year, how markets have performed before and after the COVID-19 pandemic, and other factors that played a key role in the direction of the global economy like trade and oil how these trends impacted the performance of MD funds and portfolios, and we touched on our expectations for the second quarter and beyond. So please enjoy. Welcome back, Craig, and welcome, Ian, for the first time on the MD Market Watch podcast. As always, we really appreciate your time and look forward to your thoughts and insights. So let's jump right in. Quarter one, January, February, March of 2020, what looked like a pretty promising start took an unfortunate turn. Why don't we start there? What happened? Now, obviously, Alex, the backdrop has changed dramatically. You know, the economy being part of that, but obviously just across the world with the health crisis that we're currently facing. Certainly that wasn't something that was really with us at the beginning of the quarter. So as things change, the markets have reflected that and so has our outlook. If we look over the last quarter, stock markets towards the end of February started to sell off and sell off in a dramatic fashion. So some of the fastest decline in stock markets that we've seen historically. And at one point, the global market was down over 30%. Now there has been some positive signs since the end of the quarter and not just respect to the health crisis and positive developments in that sense, but also some stability in global bond and financial markets. Overall, still for the quarter, stocks were down in and around 20% on a global basis. Helping to offset some of that risk was the stability of bond markets and in particular treasury markets. Given the extent of the economic disruption currently due to the health crisis, bond markets were a bit of a tale of two halves. The treasury market did extremely well and anything that's considered more of a safe asset did well, but certainly corporate bonds sold off. So overall, a balanced portfolio is down somewhere in the range of 10% over the quarter. And obviously, this reflects some of the relief rally we've seen here, but towards the end of the quarter, the general declines for a balanced portfolio. Now, prior to the outbreak, we were really seeing an environment where we were expecting some of the weakest growth since the financial crisis, although we were seeing expected improvements throughout the year, which expected to play through to higher stock markets in 2020. Now, with the COVID-19 virus spreading globally, it's marked a pretty significant change in the prospects for the global economy. Policymakers reacted first on the health front to shut down the economy, and, and now we've got monetary and fiscal stimulus that's quite extraordinary trying to get the global economy through this very difficult period. And so this is the balance we're facing, which is for sure short-term negative impact, and it's going to be a meaningful impact. And on the other side, we have policymakers who are doing extraordinary measures, even more so than what we saw in the global financial crisis. And these packages, as they are continued to roll out, are expected to really improve the prospects for growth once we're through the health crisis. So the key question then is, where does the economy go from here? And what does it mean for markets? And as mentioned, it's really a health policy decision at this point. We know that we need to get that right. And so what this means from an economic perspective, based on the information that we're seeing now, is that it's going to be a very gradual reopening of the economy. And that's going to have profound implications for companies, their earnings prospects, and depending what sectors they are in, you know, ultimately how well they do here uh, over the coming months. Also, how consumers react to this and particularly those who are under some hardship, 
even though there is significant stimulus that's going to be supporting the economy in the end. It doesn't necessarily mean things are going to go back the way they are and that some of those jobs may not reappear as the economy reopens. You know, a number of economies are going to survive this and in particular due to the aid that's being provided and lots of folks will go back to work. But it's likely going to be gradual and it's likely going to be slower from a recovery standpoint. And then there's going to be the continued uncertainty around the health crisis and whether or not, you know, it'll be contained and how long it's going to be with us. And as a result, and Craig will speak to this, we are still taking a bit more of a defensive stance. It's certainly been a relief rally over the last few weeks, but the sustainability of this really goes back to that question about the economic perspective, that there are gradual recovery and there are still risks to that recovery. Defensive stance makes sense. Longer term, however, the prospects for the global economy are one of recovery, and that's going to create some opportunities here. So as the quarter played out, as, as you just described, Ian, we've made a number of portfolio adjustments based on the latest information as it became available. Craig, you know, you talked about some of that in our first episode. Essentially, we went from being, you know, cautiously optimistic and slightly overweight equities in our portfolios to being a bit more cautious and, and underweight equities. So where do we stand today and where are we headed? We're similarly positioned to where we were the last call, but maybe just to reiterate, as Ian mentioned, at the beginning of the year, we were positioned for a world of, you know, low global growth. So, you know, mid-late cycle, the time we were overweight equities, we were generally constructive on risk assets that would show up in our currency positions, in our relative equity positions, bond positions. So everything looked reasonable to expect that on a cyclical basis, we should see the portfolio positions work out relatively well. As you've noted, things unraveled very quickly, which meant that we needed to reposition portfolios as quickly as possible. We did move from our overweight equity position to an underweight equity position and increased the level of defensiveness across portfolios. So sort of looking at about a 5% cash level in portfolios now relative to equities. So underweight equities, overweight cash, or fixed income to some degree. We're going to continue to revisit that position as more information comes available. So Ian talked about the significant amount of stimulus, so whether that being fiscal and monetary support coming through to the economy. That's definitely caused a slight recovery here. And we're constantly reassessing whether or not we need to modify our positions. So we're not quite as defensive as we were at the extreme, but we still remain defensive in most parts of our portfolio with the expectation that we'll continue to see further negative information come out to the economy, which will get repriced into assets. Short answer is we've got more cash in portfolios. Within our fixed income funds, we're relatively conservatively positioned compared to normal, so less credit exposure. And then within some of our equity funds, we've got a more defensive posture, whether that's through elevated cash levels, so a bit more cash than we would normally hold within an equity fund, as well as some more defensive sector positioning. All right. At the end of last year, Ian, you know, working on the things that we do together, the uh, the updates and videos, we were really focused in on things like U.S.-China trade, the execution of Brexit, the upcoming U.S. elections. Now, these topics obviously haven't gone away, but they've been clearly overshadowed from a headline perspective. Are these still things that we're, we're watching and assessing? Yes, absolutely, Alex. So as much as the world has changed due to the spread of the COVID-19 virus and the real shutdown of much of the global economy, these issues you mentioned remain prominent. It's certainly the events we're seeing here are starting to have an influence on those particular topics. And that'll be key as we enter into the recovery stage and what the recovery looks like. You know, if you look at something like the U.S. elections at this point, because things have changed so dramatically and there's so much uncertainty around what the pace of the recovery would be, how effective it will be, that's going to influence who gets elected as a U.S. president. There are materially different policy implications from that. 
I would say that's not really the key focus for markets right now. As the initial fear here of the economic contraction and obviously the health crisis that we're facing start to abate, these other issues will start to become in focus and certainly into the third quarter and fourth quarter of this year. One thing I would say is that it really depends on what the impact of the extent of the recovery in the short term is from these particular issues. Although we think it's mostly going to be influenced by health policy, it's also going to be influenced by the desire of politicians. And more from a longer term thematic perspective, when we're just talking about things like U.S. trade, supply chains are now going to be very much in focus when you're talking about shutting down borders, the implications of that, but also you know, the manufacturing of critical goods will come into light and likely supply chains are going to change. And that's all going to have a profound impact on the industries that are mostly in focus from that. So these are definitely things we're looking at. And from a secular perspective, this will cause us to change our positioning. So as Ian pointed out earlier, broad equity markets were challenged over the quarter due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So negative absolute returns really shouldn't be a surprise for equity funds and, and portfolios with a higher allocation to equities. I think everyone wants to know, you know, how have MD funds and portfolios performed, relatively speaking? Typical portfolio was down about 10% for the quarter. Higher equity weights obviously would have uh, fared slightly worse. And that clearly erased the gains that we would have seen in the past year. 20, 2019 was a very strong year. You know, we pretty much erased all those gains. Three-year returns still remain positive for most portfolios. So if you look at longer term or if you are investing longer term, which you should be if you're an equity investor, even with this downturn, it's still positive, albeit not strongly positive. That doesn't sound so bad given the severity and velocity of the sell-off we've just seen. And as we were positioned for low growth at the beginning of the year, our portfolios did lag benchmarks in this rapid and unprecedented decline. I feel confident that we acted promptly to de-risk portfolios, but there really was no avoiding the pain, just given how quickly things did unwind as COVID-19 started to spread around the world. Now, where I'd see the, the shimmering lights are dividend mandates, which are positioned to be more stable, less cyclically geared generally, do look great for the quarter, as did our growth mandates. Now, that probably sounds a little bit odd. You would normally expect growth not to fare as well in a downturn. However, our growth mandates are generally quality growth. And quality growth could and should be expected to hold up reasonably well in a downturn, and they did. I think they fared a little bit better than we would have otherwise expected, which was certainly very pleasant to see. In contrast, our value mandates took the brunt of the decline. It's hard to think of value sectors performing so poorly in the past in, say, the IT bubble. We saw value actually outperform in the downturn, but given what's the shape of a value these days being predominantly held into financials, Financial companies certainly struggled in the beginning of this downturn, especially as we started to see not so much a liquidity freeze, but markets were starting to, to show signs before we saw a lot of stimulus come in from governments around the world. Now, as we did note, we did act very quickly to make adjustments in, in the portfolios to the extent we see further deterioration in, in economic activity, and ultimately that shows up in equity markets. We've repositioned portfolios accordingly. I believe that we're now very defensively positioned to the extent that we see some more pain coming into markets. Maybe in addition, the, the flight to safety that started at the beginning of the correction, higher yielding corporate bonds, as well as small cap companies in Canada, also fell further and faster than the larger higher quality issues. Strategically, we do have both corporate bonds and small cap companies embedded in our strategies. Long term, those are great ways to add incremental value and manage from a risk-adjusted return standpoint. Clearly, in the course of the type of downturn we've just seen, it's no surprise these strategies underperformed government bonds or high-quality larger cap issues. So that would be a, a negative for a few of our funds. 
and ultimately contributing somewhat to the performance overall for portfolios. Overall, the multi-asset management team at MD that manages the funds and the pools and our portfolios, you know, the team's been doing a tremendous job managing through this crisis. We've self-isolated ourselves since mid-March and have had regular contact with the team to talk about all the different pieces of information that are coming in very rapidly and the quality of the, the people and the ability for us to digest the information and make adjustments at real time has really been been good to see. So I'm very pleased with the current position of our portfolios, with the actions and activities we've taken throughout this, and do feel that we are very well positioned for the recovery when it does come. Excellent. So you talked about, you mentioned some fixed income in there, but really I think, you know, they've obviously a very important part of diversified portfolios. You know, how have our fixed income funds in particular performed and, and how have they impacted the overall performance of our portfolios? Bonds did their job in the current environment. So stocks were down, bonds were up. And that's good because that's exactly how it's supposed to work. The reason typically we hold bonds in a portfolio is to balance off the ability to hold equity risk. We've got the right balance between seeking long-term returns, but being defensive enough when it's needed. And it was definitely needed in the quarter. At the same time, yields are currently very low. They're even lower now than they were at the start of the quarter. So that does introduce a new challenge for the future. As we look out going forward, bonds will not pay as much as they used to unless we invest in much higher risk issues. We're not likely to extend into too much higher risk. And that ultimately means the ability for bonds to continue to protect in a further downturn is mitigated at this stage. So they did their job this time. Their ability to do their job in a further decline with interest rates as low as they are currently will be a bit of a challenge going forward. Well, that's time for this episode. Thank you both, Craig and Ian, for joining today and providing the first quarter 2020 update and the additional insights. Thanks, Alex. Uh, always happy to, to have this conversation. All right. Before we wrap up, any closing remarks from you guys? I think the important thing to stress right now is that it's a rapidly changing environment, as we all know. But certainly from a financial market perspective, we're constantly assessing new information. We have the ability to react and be proactive about this. And I believe we have really solid partners from an asset management perspective, and the information we're getting from them is going to help us through this, as it has in previous events through MD's history. So certainly as the facts change, we're able to assess that and make changes. And that's what we're going to continue to do. So I look forward to continuing to communicate that as we guide ourselves through this particularly challenging environment and know that over the long run, that this actually creates opportunities as much as it does negative returns over the very short term. For our listeners, if you have any questions about what we spoke about today, questions about your portfolio, please don't be shy. Please reach out to your MD advisor. She or he would be happy to hear from you. If you like this podcast, please be sure to subscribe through your favorite podcast provider and check out our other market commentary content on md.ca. You'll find blog posts, videos, and much more. Thanks again to all the doctors, healthcare professionals, and other essential services workers out there for taking care of Canada at this time. Bye, everybody.